Hey, everybody. I'm Art Alexakis from the band Everclear, and you're listening to The Rad Dad Show. Hey, all you rad dads out there. Hey, what's up, everyone? Brett here, bringing you another episode of The Rad Dad Show, the parenting podcast where we ask inspiring dads the question, what does it mean to be a rad dad? On this episode, I'm joined by Art Alexakis of the band Everclear. If you turned on a radio in the 90s or, like me, had your eyes glued to much music on your TV, this guy needs no introduction. Of course, Everclear broke out with their smash hit Santa Monica and followed it up with instant classics like Everything to Everyone, I'll Buy You a New Life, Father of Mine, and Wonderful. Today, Everclear is still going strong, and they recently stopped here in Edmonton with Third Eye Blind for the Soundtrack Music Festival, and yours truly was there. So I'll share some of those photos and videos on our Instagram. Make sure to check that out. Art's a father of two daughters, one who's grown and married and moved away, and one who's 15 years old. We spoke about nature versus nurture and how your own children can be completely different from each other. We also talked about the instinct to protect them when they're threatened or bullied. And we really dove into the importance of instilling compassion in our children and teaching that through modeling and setting a good example. Art has also been public in the last few years about his recent MS diagnosis, and we discussed that and how he broached that subject with his own children. And of course, we talked about what Everclear has coming up this year. After some summer shows, including the one in Edmonton, they're going on tour this fall with the Ataris and Pink Spiders, and they're releasing their recently announced Live at the Whiskey A Go-Go, a double LP celebrating their 30th anniversary as a band. And speaking of anniversaries, Art recently celebrated 34 years sober. So big congrats to Art. Anyway, what are we waiting for? Let's get into it. Here's Art Alexakis of Everclear on the Rad Dads Show. Okay, well, Art, thank you so much for joining for me. Having, on the, yeah, thanks it. for joining me today on the Rad Dad Show. I'm going to start by asking, who are you? My name is Art Alexakis. I'm an Aries. I like long walks on the beach and... <laughs> Uh, and so, and alcohol-free pina coladas. Um, no, I'm a, I'm the lead singer and uh, guitar player and founder of the band Everclear. Uh, we were a big band back in the '90s, and we still have a pretty good following now. And um, we're coming to Edmonton next week, and uh, pretty stoked to be a guy who's 61 years old. I'm almost 34 years sober. I'll be 34 years. Good sober. for you next Thursday. Thank you. And uh, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis about seven years ago. I had had it at that time. They thought I'd had it for about 15 to 20. So it's something that I've learned to live with my life. So I'm 61 with MS, sober, and I play rock and roll almost every every week, if not every night. And um, I have a wonderful life. But one of my main priorities in life is being father to my two daughters. And my eldest daughter's grown up and married and gone away. But my uh, 15-year-old is uh, in the other room, and uh, she's uh, she's wonderful. But there's a lot of work. 
yeah, kids are a lot of work, but, uh, you know, lots of positives that come with it. Right. Yeah. I was way more work having so much trouble, man, at 15. I should have, I was in and out of like, like the local, uh, juvenile hall, you know, JV or where they put juvenile delinquents is what they called this. Right. But, um, yeah, I, uh, I should have been put away for a long time, but I don't know how I got away with it. But um, I, uh, my daughter is pretty, pretty awesome comparatively. Getting, <laughs> getting straight A's in school, just finished her year nine, first year of high school and uh, grade nine. And uh, we're just looking forward to a wonderful summer. And wow. uh, I, leave, I leave tonight to go play a show on the East Coast and that's kind of my life these days is I'm playing most most weekends I've gone at least one day, if not two or three days. But it's, uh, it, you know, I felt blessed for the income and for the uh, being able to keep my guys working. All my guys uh, do this as their only job. They don't have day jobs and, um, and just about everybody owns their own house or condo. So, you know, um, how how great the guys in their 50s and 60s can play rock and roll and make a living and be parents. And my bass player, who's 57 going on, he'll be 58 in November, has a three-year-old. Wow. He, he started late. He's got a little girl. And she's a she's a she's a pistol, man. Yeah, it's <laughs> an amazing kid. age, that age for sure. I mean yeah. it. It changes. I'm sure you've sort of seen that. You've got an older daughter, so mm-hmm. all grown up, and then you've got one, you know, in the teens now. Very um, different personalities. Very different personalities. Yeah, it's it is interesting. Well, you've got a four and a seven year old. Yeah. Um, are they very similar? Or are they different? No, they actually are quite different. So it's it's funny. Like you know, you think about that nature versus nurture. Yeah. Um, discussion and it's like I, I can't figure it out I'm not really sure I you know it does th- it, it's not it's not it's not something that you can figure out yeah you know I mean it's like it seems like when there's two children uh within you know it's like one takes after the mom more and one takes after the dad more yeah um in some ways but they might look like the other one you know more you know it's weird and every time, every now and then, I don't know if you see this, but my daughter will laugh and she'll look just like my mom. Yeah. She isn't never that funny? met. My mom had passed before she was born. And I'm like, wow. And my wife would be like, God, she looked like Eleanor. I, go, yeah, I know, man. It's That's crazy. so funny. Yeah. It, I, it is that way with my kids, too. My oldest is kind of like a spitting image of me. And then the youngest is really a lot like my wife. So, um, yeah, it's just funny. And personality wise, I mean, I can't, yeah, like you said, I can't figure it out, but, uh, that's the joy of it, right? Like just watching right. them grow and become their own little yeah. person, even at that young age is really interesting. It's, it is really interesting and you're right. It'd be so boring if it was more predictable, right? Even though sometimes you're going to be pulling your hair out. I'm dealing with, we're dealing with stuff with going to school next year. And this girl that used to bully my daughter yeah. is, is good. Is, transferring to that school and we're trying to figure out what to do because i'm not going to allow it it's just not going to happen that that bullying not going to happen again and i'm going to so but i have to deal with this my wife has to deal with this and i come from a gangster background i grew up in a housing project 
my way of dealing with it is bad. You know, right. that's how I want to deal with it. But I can't do that. So I got to be, you know, I got to walk into the principal's office and have a discussion and use I statements and, and not not make threatening, you know, <laughs> control the emotions. Right. Yeah, But, but think about it. You're t- you, you've got two little girls. They might they have a 50 50 chance of bullying somebody someday or being bullied. Right. How are you going to deal with that? It's like, it, I know it brings out parts of you that you didn't know were there. I know. And you don't like very much because it's, it's tribal. You're messing with your tribe. That's, yeah. that's your child. Yeah. And there's an instinct to protect, right? Absolutely. It goes beyond instinct. It goes into just kill mode for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting. You kind of brought up a couple times now you're, and this is one of the reasons I'm really interested to talk to you too, is you've been very open about your childhood and how it, you know, was, was difficult in lots of different ways. Um, you know, your was really, was. yeah. Yeah. And relationship with, with your dad. I mean, you've got a song father of mine. I, I think that's, um, you know, pretty autobiographical and, um, that one is. yeah. And I'm curious, like, how do you, how, how have you taken that and learned from from those those experiences that you had as a kid and applied that as a parent now for you um well i don't know if i apply them you know i i try to avoid a lot of the i think in life the learning curve is not just doing the thing learning the things that were done right but learning and acknowledging the things that or done wrong and right. learning how to learning ways to avoid those things before they happen to go back before it and set the ground and i think a strong foundation of love and and understanding and soft discipline i'm not talking about you know hitting or threats or anything yeah. like that but, but just teaching children where the lines are and I think most kids feel safe when they know what the rules are and what the lines are and what they're what they're supposed to do, especially as they get into the adolescent years. You haven't experienced that yet. Right. <laughs> wow. I keep hearing yeah. it's coming. It's coming, man. You know, I tell men, um, being the father of a daughter, your daughter, you are the king. You are the king from the ages of two to the ages of like 12 to 14. And then you're not anymore. <laughs> so what uh, does that look yeah. like? What what does that transition look like for you as a dad? Like what what are you feeling as that as that changes? Because I really do feel that way right now. You know, it's they get home from school and it's daddy, 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 and daddy, daddy. Yeah, yeah, it's, and it's great. And every man thinks, not my kid. Yeah, yeah. the other people. Yeah. I'm doing it right. No, look at this. No, this is not. That's not going to happen. And it always happens. Um, it what does it look like i mean it sucks you know it's like one day you're the king and the next day you're invisible yeah um and you know that's hard for most people for people like me or who have addictive addictive behaviors and like attention 
And anyone who's in a band that says they don't like attention, lying to themselves or lying to the world or both. Um, that's one of the reasons we do it. We need that. We're extroverts. We need that kind of um, back validation. Validation in a lot of ways, yeah. And when your daughters, when your children treat you um, with that kind of exaltation, um, adoration, it's it makes you feel validated. Mm -hmm. It makes you feel like you're you're cooler than you really are. And then the reality sits in when they <laughs> when they turn into teenagers and they and they're like, you're like, no, baby, don't do that. No, sweetie, would you will, will you take off your headphones? I'm talking to you. Yeah. What are you doing? I'm talking to you. I'm me. I'm talking to you. You know, that you get you start getting into discussions like that. And uh, kids can talk to you in a way that if a grown man talked to me on the street like that, he wouldn't do it. Right, right. <laughs> he, he just there would be a consequence. He could, yeah, because you know that it's gonna it's gonna turn into fisticuffs to talk like that to any man. And I hear my my daughter's pretty great. She doesn't do it too much, but sometimes she gets a little lippy with her mom. And uh I don't like it. Well, this and, is a uh, part of it too. Like uh, it is i've always you know it's funny the first place we kind of learn that behavior of like kind of not treating people well is is with the people we love the most isn't that interesting like you kind of feel so comfortable with because you feel your safe family that you're not going to have those consequences if you treat people really terrible we do it with our you know our partners too and those kinds yeah. of things you look back after why would i say that why did i do that right and you kind of yeah, it's interesting to to see that and then try and have some perspective on it probably with your kids. You know, that, okay, they this isn't personal really, you know, this is coming from somewhere else. What do you do for a living? You know, I'm a pharmacist. Okay, interesting. Well, I, I'm a, other than playing in the rock band, I'm a certified life coach. And I deal with mostly people who are in the creative industries yep. and people, and, and, and as well as people who are um, in recovery. Um, but, um, a lot of that are people who are, you know, parents and have family dynamics to go along with all, yeah. all the rest of it. And, uh, a lot, what you're saying is what, what I have experienced. Um, and it's, it's something that, um, you know, it's different for everybody, but you have to have a set, you have to have guidelines to go by at least to start with and treating people you know it comes to old school stuff whether you're religious or spiritual or not what they call the golden rule mm -hmm. of treating other people the way you would like to be treated is just smart smart behavior right but it doesn't always get the result and with teenagers or adolescents it doesn't necessarily get the result that you will with an adult you walk into a room and there's a guy there and you look at each other and you go, good morning, how you doing? And you put your hand out, he shakes your hand. Mm -hmm. All right. That goes way back to the caveman days to show that I don't have a weapon and I don't, my, my hand's not a fist. I don't mean you any harm. That goes, I mean, that's sociology that goes back a hundred thousand years or more. Um, and that those lessons 
we've learned through socialization, correct? Mm -hmm. Growing up, our children have no idea. Your four-year-old, your seven-year-old is starting to get socialized pretty well from school. Your four-year-old is, and I don't say this in any insulting way. I'm, I, I say this about her, my my own child. At that age, they're damn near wild animals. Yep. You know, <laughs> you know, it, it's like you try to teach them rules. They're like, what? No, yeah. me. You're, you're domesticating me. them. Yeah, exactly. You're domesticating because everything <laughs> in their genetics is saying, oh, I like that. I want all that. Yeah. I want all that. I, I you know, no, we must share. We got to share. No, yeah, what that, are you talking that about? Not, that has nothing to do with the the genetic human experience. That is the learned and socialized human experience of of sharing because that will propel the collective and 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 make the whole tribe safe and the family safe and and the community safe and and if we can share ideas and share things which i love i love that idea um and I, i'm a big part of it i try to be of service as much as possible not just um a large part due to my you know my recovery which i'm yeah. very strong in it's almost, like i said almost 34 years but um also just as a dad you know when you have a children when you have children i don't want to see any child hungry yeah i don't see any child hurting i that that hurts me you know um i don't want to see any, and then i look at people and like people like unhoused people people that live on the street and i think they're somebody's baby yes they were somebody's baby at one time that woman that man um yeah they they weren't meant to grow up to be like that bad things happen to them yeah and they made bad choices i'm sure but bad things also happen who doesn't them. make bad choices right but in in certain circumstances your consequences are are worse right some people start out you know further back from the starting line right and wow. um yeah it's that compassion and empathy that that you have to have for your fellow fellow man fellow human right it's well that's something you would, you've you would, you'd like to think so yeah <laughs> i mean it's yeah it's easy to talk about but there's lots of people it doesn't seem like you know that's as as easy to do i know you know over the years that's something you've been passionate about you know you've spoken out for um lgbtq rights you've spoken out for you know stigma around drug use um and things like that and and it sounds like you know through your your coaching which is really cool actually we can maybe come back to that in a little bit i did some coaching uh, courses last year so i know a little bit about how how that works and i think um you know like how do you apply how do you apply that or how do you teach that to your kids i guess like um, how important is that in, in your discussions with your kids about um, empathy and caring and standing up for what's right and helping people? Because that seems to be something that's so important to you. Well, you, you know, I think a lot, a lot of what children learn, they learn from their parents, from their siblings and from their family and their tribe and then, and, you know, and assorted local like community of friends and stuff. That's what I'm calling the tribe. and then. Uh, 
the community around them, school, um, uh, organizations, church, if, if, you, if you do that, that kind of stuff. And I got to tell you, my, my youngest daughter, like I said, I mean, she's, she's basically my only child right now. My youngest daughter is so, has so much empathy and compassion ever since she was a little girl. She'd see girls with kids without toys and she'd go in the house and go grab a toy that we just bought her and go give it to that kid because they didn't have anything to play with. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. That was her. That was 100% her. But I think she learned from us because we were, we, we've, we've always like tried to like do, do things community-based, go, go to, um, you know, missions and serve food on holidays uh, and take to, and took her with us. And so I think a lot of that behavior is learned by example mm -hmm. while the 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 flip of that coin the other side of that coin is bad behavior and antisocial behavior and addictive behavior is also taught by example and we've done really my my children have never known me as a drinker my wife has never known she right. she has no i'm you know, 34 years sober, there's very few people still alive that knew me well back in the day. There's a few. And uh, I pay them money constantly so they won't talk. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but um, but uh, seriously, it's, it's um, that learning through example and osmosis yeah. is, I, I, I have to say, when you, when you get into, you know, you know, uh, nurture versus nature, um, I don't know where you draw the line percentage-wise on that, but I really think nurture has a lot to do with it in most cases. But it's well, it's, const it's constantly fighting nature, right? Your yeah. it's your it's your 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 genetic disposition. It's like your your daughters. They're very different. My daughters yep. are very different. But your daughters, same mom and same dad. Mine, mine have a different mom. Yours have same mom, same dad, same living experience, right? And why are they different? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's interesting. Like, um, there, there's so much to it, right? I think this, like, setting an example, I think, is really important. And you're right. Like, that compassion, they just kind of emulate what they see you doing. So if you're around, you know, you go to a, a mission and you serve food and they see that you're interacting with, you know, folks who might be homeless, they might look a bit disheveled. They might look to the kids. They might look a little bit different or scary, scary. or whatever, scary. you know, and they see that, Oh, dad's not scared. You know, dad, dad's treating them with respect and, and empathy. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, they learn that, okay, that's a way that I can interact with, with people that look that way, you know, kids compartmentalize things, right. My, I remember vividly the first time I ever, um, I was walking with the kids to swimming lessons. This was, you know, really, it was about a year ago where um, someone, you know, asked us for money on the street. Homeless fellow, you know, looked quite, you know, hadn't had a shower in a long time and um, probably some mental health issues and stuff and was a little bit sure. scary looking, but I thought, you know, this is an opportunity for me to you know, I don't want to teach my kids that, oh, you, you run and you hide away from them. You know, sure, I'll give him a dollar and ask him how he's doing and, you know, wish him a, a good day. And 
the kids talked about that for like a week afterwards. Like, oh, dad, remember when you, you gave that guy a dollar? Like, those are such powerful things for them to see. And I think we sometimes underestimate like how long that's going to stick with your kids. And I'm not trying to like talk myself up here. I'm just connecting it to, you know, this conversation that we're having now. It's making me think about that experience. And they just really, you know, the, those things are so poignant for them. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, the things, the experiences that you have when you're that is you don't have many experiences. So that compartmentalizing that compartment, there's not a lot in there. Yeah. So anything that's in there looks a lot bigger and a lot more significant than it might be. Yeah. But um, I would argue that that experience of watching their dad show compassion to someone who's having a hard time um, is something that is going to stay with them for a long time. But my 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 youngest daughter, man, she when she was nine, um, you know, all that border stuff was going on, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, you're talking it, about it, um, like ICE. You're talking people, about yeah, people and people getting stuck at the border, and there yeah. was like kids there, and there was all this stuff in the news. She came to my my wife and I, and said. You know, there's all these kids that need toys down at the border. And I've got toys and stuffed animals that I don't play with. And we're like, you got stuff in boxes from years of Christmases that you don't. And she goes, can we give it to them? I'm like, that's wow. a great idea. Sure. I go, why don't you go with mommy and go online and, you know, you guys look, you know, for, or her mom's like, let's look for her. Uh, an organization and then my daughter had the idea of like well I know kids at school at the school and that that have toys and so she went to the she on her own my daughter on her own at nine went to the head of school the principal and said she would like to uh, ask kids if she could do that and can we put that in the newsletter and they put out a specific newsletter online and in person and we had a huge truck full of stuff and people awesome. were buying, buying, people were buying, you know, toothbrushes and toothpaste and, and just all this stuff. And, you know, I mean, we live in an upper middle class uh, neighborhood in uh, Montessori school. It's very, it's not very economic, economically diverse. It's very racially diverse, very much so which is great. Mm -hmm. um, and but uh, yeah, we and then, you know, she picked an organization, she went online with, with my wife and looked at different organizations. And she found this one organization called Border Kindness. And we reached out to the guy and he's just wonderful. And uh, we drove down to Mexicali with all this stuff. And he took it over the border. And He's since become a friend to me and Vanessa, and um, he's a sober brother of mine now. And incredible, uh, you know, it's just it's interesting the way one act by anyone, in this case by a child, can just start all this rolling. Good yeah. Stuff. And at the same time, 
you have one guy telling you that you know mexicans are bad people and yeah and blah 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 and instead of appealing to people's better nature and and, and children's yeah. better nature he appeals to their worst nature and we all have that bad nature we all we all have yep. fear we all have um and it all comes from fear anger pain racism uh, you know being a bully it all comes from fear yeah. and um I just I'm just glad that my my daughter my my family are, are just we choose love yeah love and and understanding and, and com compassion it's almost and, as uh, simple as that isn't it it is it really is you talked about the it, golden it, it, rule. It kind of comes back to that same thing. You know, putting yourself in man. someone else's shoes. Put yourself in the other guy's shoes. My mom taught me that when I was really, really young. You know, my mom had grown up in the Depression uh, in um, Appalachia. Very okay. poor. Very poor. And, uh, you know, I joked that I'm half Greek, half hillbilly. My mom's <laughs> a full-on hillbilly. <laughs> 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 You should see some family pictures of hers growing up, dude. It was some hillbillies. But, um, you know, but she, my mom, I got to tell you, from growing up in the Deep South, I never, not once, ever heard her use the N-word or mm -hmm. ever act like that. And I knew that she didn't grow up around people of color, but in her beliefs and her her spiritual system of being a Christian, um, she treated everybody with love and respect. My mom wasn't a warm, cuddly, fuzzy, uh, touchy-feely kind of person. She wasn't that, but she was inside. She's just an introvert, you know? And uh, I just, I learned from example from her. I learned how to be tenacious from her, how to have perseverance. And uh, even though she was my mom, she was tough as nails, man, tough as nails. And um, I think I learned a lot of that from her, and I'm very grateful for it. I read in you an know. interview, um, I can't remember exactly what it was, but you said something about, I learned how to be a dad from my single mom. Absolutely. So what did yeah. you, what did you no learn from her about you. parenting? No one will teach a man, a boy, how to be a better man than a single mom. Um, what does she teach me? Well, see, my mom, you know, a lot of a lot of people who are mistreated by their spouse and go through divorce and stuff will bad talk them. And unfortunately, bad talk them to their kids. My mom didn't really do that. Kind of passively, passive aggressively, you know. Mm -hmm. My mom would be like, she wouldn't be like, oh, your dad needs to pay child support. Or, well, we're we're poor because of your father. She never did that. I heard other people's parents do that, but she never did that. She'd be like, Well, son, a real man doesn't mistreat his wife, have to leave his family, you know, move to right. the other side of the country marries someone a younger woman and raises her family that's not what a real man does a real man treats his ex-wife with respect moves down the street and raises his children and 
how can you argue with that? Yeah. That's yeah, again, what you it's, do. It's kind of describing that example or setting that example as opposed to talking down about what wasn't done. Exactly. You know, you're teaching the right way. You're not just talking about the wrong way, but you're teaching the right way. You're teaching the right way. You're accentuating the positive. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I and I have always believed that. But if that came from her, would I have believed it without her? Maybe. But I doubt it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't know. You, there's no way of telling. And I'm just grateful for that example and for her saying that. And was she still poking at my dad a little bit passive aggressively? Yeah. But, well, of you course. know, when you're hurt, you're hurt. What are you going to do? Yeah. You know? she, my mom was not very educated, but boy, she loved her babies. All she ever wanted to do, all she ever wanted to do was be a, a mom and a, a homemaker. That's all she wanted. It's my older siblings tell me that my mom used to bake cakes and cookies and she'd meet them at the crosswalk on their way home or walk to school and get them. I'm like, what? My mom worked the whole time I was a kid. I was a latchkey kid. Yeah. You know, I grew up in a housing project mm-hmm. and it wasn't because she didn't want, she couldn't. She couldn't do, be there for me like that. Um, but uh, so me and my siblings had that kind of juxtaposition. But I think I had it better in the long run because me and my mom, my mom, as I got older, she we, we, we became friends, you know, not just parents, but friends. We got to know each other. And she, we were just like juxtaposition she was fox news you know over here i'm way over here and uh but but you found that common ground as you you gotta find common exactly you you gotta find common ground i don't know if you're a student of u.s political history but ronald reagan was like the first of the uh the the neo-modern conservatives um he his political foil was a guy named Tip O'Neill, who was who was from Massachusetts, big man, super liberal uh, Democrat, and he was the Speaker of the House. But even though they were diametrically opposed politically, they had a a friendship that they could have, and they got stuff done. They got it done. Yeah, novel idea, yeah. hey. Right, you know, <laughs> um, it it looked more Republican than 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 Democrat, but Tip was like holding the line, like, well, I got to have this and this and this, and you can't touch this and this and this, and we got through it. And it, it's funny, and I've even said this that that uh, if uh, he hadn't had Tip O'Neill, I don't know if Reagan would have had the legacy that that he had because it it was something that everybody connected to even if you yeah. don't like them you connected with it there's but always a middle getting, ground yeah there is always a middle ground and it's and a lot of times it's not right in the middle it's close right. to the middle and that's all you can hope for you know but with with and teaching that to children to me is teaching them hope yeah if you could teach compromise not in a bad sense but in the sense of like okay let's work together and and 
concentrate on the things that we agree on before we talk about the things that we don't agree on, you know? And, and like you said, putting yourself in the other guy's shoes is a great way to approach compromise as a, as a child, as a young child, as a teenager, as an adolescent, as a young adult, or as an adult to, to keep that in mind of like, okay, let's figure this out. How are we going to deal with this? And I love watching kids play when they, they, you know, like your four-year-old is still kind of doing what we call parallel play where like, She'll have play dates with friends, but they're not really playing together. They're playing right. near each other. You ever yep. watch that? Yep, I agree with you. Yep. Well, it's it's socialization 101. When you when you get to like six, you know, five, six, and especially seven, they start working on things together. Right. And that's where friends like usually get their best friends, is in five, six, seven. And it's funny because my daughter started going to the school here in Pasadena when she was three. And this girl Shelby was there and they were kind of friends, but something clicked when they were five years old and they've been inseparable ever since for 10 years. Yeah. And they couldn't be more diametrically opposed. My, my daughter's a little very petite white girl, barely five foot. Shelby is five foot eleven, beautiful black black girl, African American girl, and they. She's an introvert. My daughter is an extrovert, and I am telling you, they are fiercely. Even though they'll argue like old married people, yeah, they're fiercely. They fiercely love each other, and if you attack one, you attack both. Yeah. Brother, watch out. It's You've made me really think about compromise now. I'm really I'm kind of thinking about that now too. Like, okay, we need to teach our kids how to learn how to compromise. That that's one of the most important things, I think. Like you live in a world that's not always going to go your way. Right. So you've got to either find the positive, find some common ground, whatever it is to move forward. But yeah. now I'm kind of thinking about it too, in the sense of our relationship with our own kids. Because this is something I really struggle with is, you know, dad knows what's right. This is what you should do. You know, let's do it this way. Listen to me. And though you, that is important. But I find that some of the, where you really get somewhere with kids is when you can kind of, okay, I understand where you're coming from. I, I understand this is what you want. You um, want more candy. I get it. I yeah. want more candy. Yeah. It's not good for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So exactly. And so that's where we, that's is that how we teach it? Is that how we model it? We've talked so much about modeling. Is it like building that in the home? Because you always hear these stories of people. It's like, you know, my dad ruled with an iron fist and then, and then, you know, the kid gets a bit older and they kind of move the other direction totally because they never got to see that compromise and get to see that um, kind of working together. You know, there's kind of a couple ways to do it. And I'm not saying one way is better than the other. I guess I'm just you've just got me thinking about how important is compromise in and, and middle ground in your relationship with your child. It, I think it's huge. And I'm very grateful to my wife for helping me with that because I used to come from uh, the idea that a parent uh, of someone that age, especially a younger age, 
should be a loving and compassionate dictator, you know, mm -hmm. uh, because that's what my mom was, you know, this is the way it was going to be. This was the curfew. This is what you were expected to do, you know, and I understand that. And I understand that as a parent. And I think I have made the mistake in the past of being too stringent. Me too. And I'm I'm not talking about, you know, like abusive or or mean, just and even the way you said it, no, I think we should do it this way, but you're really basically saying you're gonna do it this way, right? Yeah. You're just you're you're putting shiny happy speak on it for for the for the babies. And you know, and I get that, but the thing is they get it too. Yeah. They under they know what you're doing, even if you don't think they do. Mm -hmm. And because they can read between the lines when they're really young. When you say no, that's a wall. And there's times when it's like my mom would get so frustrated with me as a kid. It was just, but why not? Why can't we? Why not? Blah, 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 blah. Because, and she would say something to me that I hated and I swore I'd never say to my kids because I said so. Why? Yeah. Because I said so. And end the story. And I'm like, if I ever have children, I'll never say that. Right. Yep. <laughs> there's, <laughs> yeah. time, there's times when, like, man, we've been, look, I'm all cool with, like, negotiating with you, but you're not getting the point after about 10 minutes of the same conversation. We're done. Yeah. You put a period at the end of that sentence. We're done. Yeah. We're done. Why? Because I said so. Because daddy yeah. said so. Yeah. That's it's. Weird. It's, it's an art and not a science, right? Like it, it, certain situations, like I always tell my kids, like there's going to be times you're going to hear daddy raise his voice. And the only times that's going to happen is when I'm worried about your safety, right? So, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, they're playing with something outside and I'm worried they're going to get cut or whatever. And my right. voice will raise and they'll say like, oh, daddy raised his voice. It's there are times when you need to, it's like, I do know what's better and I'm just going to intervene here. But there's other times when you have to get them involved in that shared decision-making, whether they really are involved or whether it's just, you're giving them the, you know, the opportunity to voice their, their input. And it's so hard. I mean, it, it, I really do think it's an art, but it's, um, it's important, I think for us to, again, to just model that for them to see that, Hey, you know, I'm not going to be a complete dictator. Like you said, I, I'm going to involve you in this. Like, you know, we, we make this decision together and I'll explain to you why it's important to me. It's a little tough with a three, four year old. Yeah. Right. But, it, but yeah, it's almost impossible with a yeah. three or four year old. Um, but I mean, the, the main thing is like, you know, how far you're willing to go. You and your wife know how far where we're safe, where opinion ends and, safety yep. begins it's like no you can't eat all that that candy no you can't stay up that late yeah why well because the times you have stayed up that late you were you had a hard time in school the next day you know that that that's why and um if you can give them examples like that it's kind of hard for them to argue you know that's right it, it, and that's been my experience. Instead of instead of back in the day, especially with my older daughter, I'd be like, because you can't. 
All right, that's just it. Trust me, I'm looking out for you. I know what's best for you. I'm doing this for your own good. I've been here before. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it, it starts sounding like it starts sounding like that old punk rock song, institutionalized. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and okay. So speaking of, well, maybe to pick up on that punk rock theme a little bit. Um, you know, this is the Rad Dads show. Um, I have to ask you, do you consider yourself a rad dad? Well, now, um, yeah, I, I think so. Um, you mean radical or just rad in a way of like cool? Well, both. I guess I, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to flip it back to you. What? So I've said this on the show lots of times. Like we, obviously the, you know, rad dad, that has a nice ring to it. For us, you know, it's we talked to lots of people we think are rad. Okay. So musicians and things like that. Um, and so there's, there's kind of that side of things. There's radical, which is also, you know, maybe you have sort of different views on things. You approach things differently. Um, or maybe it's just like, what's a good dad, or maybe it's all of them all together. Like, I guess I'm, I'm curious if I ask you to define what's a rad dad, how, how do you define that? What's important to you? I think it's all of the above. Yeah. I think it's all of the above. Um, you know, when I meet, when me and my wife meet, or I meet people who are, I think, good parents, um, it fills me with joy mm -hmm. to know that, that, that you know, especially fathers. Um, you know, ever since Father of Mine came out, um, abandonment has been an issue that, boy, it, and it, it transcends ethnic lines, um, economic lines, racial lines, uh, what have you, gender, gender specific lines, doesn't matter. Um, you know, I've got, I, I got a friend whose child is a, their, their partner was the children of two women. And they still had issues. They still had issues. You know, everybody's has issues. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You know, you can raise your kid to be as woke as possible. And it, they're they're gonna have issues with that and with everything else because they're human. That's what's wonderful about it, is that the genetics and, and uh socialization, you put them together, man. You might you might be making a delicious meal or a Molotov cocktail. Yeah, have no <laughs> idea. You know, <laughs> I love that. You know, and uh, yeah, man, it's it's uh, it's it's a crapshoot with the genetics of it. It's like, oh yeah, ADHD. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what are the yeah, what are the things um, to you that that are qualities that that you appreciate in a parent that you that maybe you try to to emulate as a parent, and maybe that's changed over time. I'm sure it has, um, as now you're a parent of an adult. It, it, it changes. It, it, it evolves. I like to think it evolves. Um, I just like people who are um, are just who try. A lot of parents don't even try; they just do it. You know, uh, back when we were, uh, well, I'm older than you, but back when I was a kid, most parents, not most, 
But a lot of parents back then didn't want to be parents. They did it because they were told that that's what you you do. Mm-hmm. They they were lulled along believing it. Now, one of the things about most parents that you meet, they have children because they want those children. That's wonderful. I wanted both of my children were conceived and born in love. And that's just a great way to start. And if you're not, you know, you're battling from the beginning. And it's 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 an uphill climb. It's an uphill climb anyway. I mean, it's, it is. it's a hard world, man. Yeah. It's just, it, it's, it's not easy to be a parent. It's not easy to be a kid. It's not easy. Life isn't easy sometimes. No matter how much money you have, there's always going to be pressure. There's always going to be tension. There's always going to be drama. Always. You mentioned... Um, your MS diagnosis a few years ago. And yeah. uh, I know you've you've talked pretty openly about that. You released a statement on the website um, for the band and I uh, did some some press and kind of explaining um, mm-hmm. what that was all about. I'm curious what that discussion was like with your kids. Uh, well, my eldest daughter um, didn't know how to deal with it. She's, she just needed to process it and she's still processing it. We don't talk very much. Um, but my youngest daughter, um, she was nine, I guess. Let's see, seven years ago. And she's 15, so eight. Seven going on eight when I got diagnosed, actually. Yeah. Seven. She was seven. And I told her that it, it daddy has a disease, but that I... I'm going to be okay as long as I take my medicine and I exercise and I eat the right things. So we're going to have to change a little bit of the way we eat at home. And she was like, okay. She, I didn't tell her everything about it. An eight-year-old doesn't need to know that. As she got older, she would learn about stuff and she would ask me questions. and. Just she learned more and accepted more as she got older, because you know they're at their their brain synapses are just firing off like a billion a day or something mm-hmm. like that, and you need those to learn to have space to learn and to process, and I think we did it the best we could of just telling her there was an issue, um, and then she would ask, well, if well, is that why you have a hard time walking sometimes? I'm like, yeah, baby, that's why. And uh, she would ask questions as time went on. And now she's 15 and she pretty much knows the deal. And I know she's gone online and looked at MS and I think she's seen where it could go. You know? Yeah. Scary um, for a kid. Yep. It's scary, scary for you. For, I'm sure. Scary for me. It's scary yeah. for everybody. Man. Yeah. When I first found out, and they told me, and I walked to my car, I called my wife, and we both started crying. Mm-hmm. We were, it was scary, man. I didn't know what multiple sclerosis was. Um, but uh, by the time I got home, my wife had my computer, her computer, my daughter's iPad. It looked like she was trying to hack into Fort Knox or something. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, she's like, she's like, we got this, baby. This is it's not going to kill you. We're we got this. There's protocols you can take. You're going to be good. Yeah, and I'm like, okay. And obviously, so you know, you guys are busy right now, busy this summer with the band. You're feeling okay. You're feeling good. Things are. I felt pretty good. Yeah. You know, some days are better than others. Yeah. Uh, yesterday was a little rough physically, but um, today is better. And uh, I know that I can go. I, I just have to do what I have to do. I have to finish working out. I have to go yep. swimming. Uh, I have to, I, you know, my memory sometimes kind of isn't as good as it should be. I don't know if that's from the MS. It could be could be from just the age and just the fact that I did copious amounts of drugs and alcohol when I was younger. Um, I mean, there could be a little bit of everything. So I've learned to really like, like use my calendars, like pack this here at this time, do this, call this person at this time. And the more I do it, the more I don't need to do that. You know what I mean? Yep. It's just the cognitive thing. Um, um, and uh, I just, I, I have to work at it. I can't sit around eating bad food, smoking, drinking, doing drugs. And that's where a lot of people get into trouble and they end up progressing at a young age. Yeah. I mean, it's constant. You're constantly just trying to keep it at bay. That's what the drugs do. I, I take a drug that's a, a nerve neural moderator not a neurosuppressant if this ever gets bad and becomes progressive secondary or primary progressive they'll put me on a drug that's basically like chemo which just shuts down the immune system mine keeps my immune system intact but keeps the white blood cells and the platelets that carry the ms to my brain so it allows my immune system to heal you know Will it ever heal? No, it's it's a chronic disease. I'll have it till I die. I'll die with it. I won't, I, pro, I won't die from it. Yeah, I like that message of of hope too, and and your perseverance, your dedication to your family, to your health. You know, again, like you know, going way back to some of the adversity you faced as a a child. Um, you know, you're 34 years sober. You've accomplished a lot, and the band is. You know, it's like never been hotter it feels like you guys are are busy this summer tell me a little bit about what's happening this summer uh with the band well actually not this summer this fall we're 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 releasing a uh a live record live at the whiskey a go-go which we recorded last December and it's a double live record and I grew up in the 70s so that's pretty cool for me um and it sounds great it's raw it's rough but uh it sounds really good and it's great performances a lot of energy um uh we're going on a tour in september as well with uh, the band ataris yep and the band the peak spiders out of nashville great band two great bands um and uh gonna make a video for a song one one of the so they it's live album but it's got two recorded tracks on it bonus tracks one is a song that we released last year called year of the tiger um and then the new one is a song that I originally recorded on my solo record um, acoustically, but on this it's Everclear. It's full on big guitars and drums. 
and it's called Sing Away, and it's about it's about teen suicide. Okay. So you guys, yeah, you've got a lot coming up this year. You're playing some festival shows this summer, and we're going to see you in Edmonton in about a week, which is really mm-hmm. exciting for me. So really looking forward to that. Um, Art, I really want to thank you for your time today and for coming on the Rad Dad Show, sharing your thoughts and your experiences as a parent. Um, I think you've left us with a you know a bit of a hopeful message and lots of good things to think about. I feel like I could pick your brain for, for a long time. So um, yeah, I really appreciate your time. Thanks again. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. All right, that was Art Alexakis of Everclear on the Rad Dad Show. Thank you so much, Art, for joining us. And thank you for listening. If you liked this episode, it would mean a lot to us if you would drop us a review on iTunes or Spotify. And if you're looking for more Rad Dads content, find us wherever you get your podcasts or give us a follow on social media or both. On Instagram, you can find us at at rad underscore dads underscore show. And on Facebook and Twitter and TikTok at at rad dads show. And you can also head over to YouTube to watch all these interviews as well. Wherever you're watching or listening, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. It really helps us a lot. Lastly, Rad Dads is first and foremost a community organization aimed at positive parenting. You can check out what we do over at raddadsyeg.com. That's raddadsyeg.com. Thanks for tuning in. In the meantime and in between time, stay rad.